When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The dream is made real. Ricky Howard rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Fight fans to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with myself, Sean Basto, joined by Johnston Brown. We're going to be talking about Yard getting crushed by Kovalev in Russia, the reaction to the big fight over this weekend. We're also going to be talking about a very, very low-key matchroom card, which we completely missed off the agenda in the preview episode from last week. And we'll just touch on, obviously, the wins for some of the Brit fighters over there as well. And we're also going to be talking about some of the news and gossip that's been going on over the past few weeks, where we've not covered off in a particular episode, but we're going to cover it off in this one, just before the season really gets into so let's get into it then as always you know where to find us btr boxing pod on twitter btr boxing pod on facebook and if you've not already subscribed what are you waiting for go and do it we're on apple Podcasts. go and find us on there btr boxing podcast subscribe to the podcast let us know what you think about what we're doing here with the different series that we've got running leave us a rating leave us a review truly helps as always and if you've not got Apple, go on to Android, search for any of the available podcasting apps like Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, even Spotify. If you want to do that, you can find us on there. Subscribe, get following us, get listening to all the latest episodes. So, Johnston, well, let's get into it then. Let's talk about it. The, big, the biggest fight over the weekend, obviously, was the one we previewed last week, which was Anthony Yard going to Russia to challenge the WBO light heavyweight title against Sergei Kovalev. And it turned out to be a little bit of a better fight than what I think a lot of people anticipated. And let's get into what we think about this, really. I think we, there were a lot of mixed emotions come Sunday morning once people had had time to digest what had really happened in that particular fight. So, for anyone that was living under a rock on Saturday, Sergei Kovalev beat Anthony Yard in 11 rounds by stoppage after a a pretty one-sided affair. 
up until around about the eighth round where Anthony Yard seemingly looked like he had him on the back foot, seemingly looked like he was going to stop Kovalev and somehow Kovalev managed to hang in there and Anthony Yard managed to let him off the hook uh, and that was really the end of Anthony Yard from there on in. Yeah, it was a good fight actually, I, I did enjoy it but as you say, it was, it was pretty one-sided, I thought. Kovalev pretty much dominated that fight with his jab, um, knocking his head back with those jabs. I mean, we, we did mention that in our show previously, that that, that was going to be a, a a problem for Yard and he needed to get underneath that jab. Um, and, and I don't think he quite worked the body as, as, as early as I thought he would. I think he, I'm, I, I believe he probably felt that jab and that was the pa- most powerful jab he'd ever felt in his career. And he's obviously thought, you know what, wow, like this guy's got power. And hence why he was a little bit hesitant to to, to sort of put, get, pull the trigger basically and really attack Kovlev because I think he was worried about that right hand um, but as you say that as we moved into that eighth round I mean that was a fantastic round from Yard and how Kovlev stayed in his feet I mean credit to the old Russian um, to be fair to him as well I mean looking at the fight as a whole I do think he looked quite slow I thought I thought he, he sort of went through the motions a little bit Kovlev I thought I think he felt a little bit comfortable when Yard allowed him to be comfortable until that eighth round and, and he was very very unlucky not to have put him away um, I think uh, it weren't until sort of Buddy McGirt in um, Kovlev's corner sort of said to him you know you need to liven up or I'm going to pull you out of this fight and, and he turned it around Kovlev to his credit and he, um, he, he finished the show with that uh, a jab which was literally wasn't. I wouldn't say it's a matter of the jab had so much power behind it that it knocked Yard off of his feet. I think it was just an accumulation of shots and the fact that Yard had, had blown the blown a gas tank basically in that eighth round, trying to go go for the knockout. And in the end, it was just too much for him. And um, and but credit to Yard, look, he comes out with a lot of respect, and I think a lot of people feel that. You know, he's got so much potential, he can potentially move on in the heavyweight, in light heavyweight division and, and be a handful for anybody. Um, but he does need to improve, uh, that's clear to see. And, and I think the fights he had previously wasn't quite enough. Like, he didn't quite have that domestic showdown that we needed. So, But either way, look, he put in a good performance. It was unfortunate for him that he couldn't produce the, the goods in the eighth, but... Credit to Kovlev. Um, he he done what he needed to do, and he got he retained his title and and won the fight. It's caused a lot of controversy, I think, this fight beforehand, and even more so afterwards, because I think we either discussed it on the episode last week, or we might have discussed this off air. But we was talking about the fact that either come Sunday morning, Sunday Ajay was going to be a genius, or he was going to be ridiculed by the public and the social media followers. And that's exactly what's happened. People have obviously ridiculed him for what they believe was the wrong decision to leave him in there. They felt like he should have been brought out of the fight after the end of the 10th round when he was clearly, clearly gassed, really struggling. You could see he wasn't really throwing anything at this point. He was just surviving and just sort of coming forward, but not really throwing anything as such. And that was really the concerning part of... of the fight for me really was when I noticed he'd emptied his tank. I thought the ninth he was taking a round off. He, you know, all the all the effort he'd put into that eighth round, he completely, like you said, he'd blown a gas tank. He completely threw everything into it. But in the ninth, you think to yourself, well, the fighters just had him on the ropes at the end of the eighth. He's going to come out and give it everything. But Yard couldn't. He just he just couldn't. He physically couldn't do it. So then you think to yourself, is he going to have a round off and come back in round ten and? He didn't. He's just really a downward spiral from that there on. And you've got to remember, Yard has not even completed the distance in a fight before this. And we'd spoke about lack of experience would play a huge factor on the night. And it was either going to be a case of he was going to be outclassed by a guy who was a level above him, or he was going to come and rise to the occasion, to the big stage. Now, obviously, I was away over the weekend watching this, and I managed to catch it in a pub 
on the complex I was staying in with my family. And now we got it on. Uh, it was just a bar full of me and about two other people watching it. And then by the end of the fight, it was about 50, 60 people watching it in the pub going mental, wanting Yard to win the fight, which was, was nice to see, to be honest with you. People getting behind, you know, the Brit fighter wanting to, to get the victory and win the title. But, you know, when we got to that eighth round and he started unloading and he started hurting Kovalev and Kovalev was backing off and backing off and I was thinking, actually... He's going to have him, you know, Kovalev's done, he's got him, and I was going absolutely mental myself at this point, because I felt like he'd done it, and I felt like a prediction where it had gone really against the grain on, was actually near enough going to come to the forefront at this point, so I think in in two cases I was, I was happy that, you know, he was potentially putting him away, but then I was also happy that actually a really bold prediction was near enough going to come true, but he didn't. And in the end, he gassed, and in the end, exhaustion got the better of him. That jab put him down. It wasn't a difficult jab to take, really. I think if he would have took that in round one, like he did, he took some heavy shots in the earlier rounds, some big right hands, and took them really, really well. I think anybody that knows boxing will know that that was an accumulation of punches landed against exhaustion. It was the reason he went down, and he just couldn't get up. He'd, he'd done. There's people talking about him quitting. There's people talking about him being a shit fighter because he got dropped and knocked out by a jab. You've got to remember, people, anybody that does say that, and I, I hope that anyone listening to this podcast doesn't say that shit because you really don't know your boxing if, if that's the case. The guy was absolutely spent. The guy had no energy left in him. He was literally just throwing himself forward, he wasn't even throwing any punches, so he's absolutely fucked, he's knackered, and yet, the, the, the jab put him down, and he just couldn't get up, and I don't think it was a case of, he quit, I don't think it was a case of that at all, I think it was a case of, he was absolutely knackered, the shot had put him down, too many punches, he just he just couldn't get up, he's physically exhausted, he'd never been in deep waters like this before, and this fight can only make him a better fighter as time goes on, and you've got to give big credit to him for taking the absolute greatest of opportunities he could have took some step aside money i think there were reports of up to four million pounds being offered for yar to step aside for this fight and yet he took the fight so to me that shows more balls and heart than anything yeah i, I completely agree with you i think um you know he, he showed a lot of courage to go to russia and to take the fight um in hindsight i mean we look at it now and I think I think many people. I mean, I felt that it was just there were too many alarm bells for me. I mean, I mentioned that so many times in the in the uh, in the show we've done before this fight where we predicted the fight, and it went pretty much how I how I thought it would go. Apart from that eighth round, I thought maybe Kovalev might go down, um, but I was you know when I see that eighth round, I mean, he looked like he was ready to to be finished. Basically, I thought come the ninth round, maybe Yards can get rid of him, but he just he just you know he was blown out. I mean, even at times sort of in. In the ninth and tenth, Kovalev would hurt Yard, and then he would back off himself when he's in the ascendancy because he was feeling the pace himself. Kovalev, um, for me, I thought Kovalev was just as tired. He just it was just experience, and and he didn't have to work as hard. He wasn't, you know, that that jab was a major factor. Those, those punches effect, effectively were were hurting Yard from first round all the way through up until that last eleventh round. So you know, I think Atunbe and uh, and Yard need to sit down, and, and I think they need to rethink how they and we spoke about the system he kept talking about and the system about not needing to spar 
um, you know, although he does spar, but not not as sort of you know, it's not as intense as 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 many fighters have done through the years. And whether he could try and change boxing in a way that you could actually have a guy not spar as intensely and then go into the ring and be effective. And and unfortunately, I think that showed that 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 isn't really the case. I don't think it's possible. You could do as much as you want on the pads. You can work so hard on the pads. But if you've got nothing coming back, that's when you've got problems. And I think that's where you do need good sparring partners. And this is where sometimes people pick the wrong partner. Sometimes back in the 80s, when we do our legendary nights and you read some of the old sparring sessions they had in the 70s and 80s, they were too intense. You know, they, they were way too intense. But they, you can still make them intense, but you're just not to the point where you're, back, you're bashing the shit out of the guy that, you know, he's, he's going to step into the ring again. It's not about that. It's about just getting yourself ready to take shots. And I think for me, Yard didn't have that. He didn't He didn't know anything about what's coming back. And when Kovalev's hitting him with those jabs and those right hands in towards the end of that fight, I think he was like, well, I've never, he's never felt anything like this before, not even in the gym. So that is where I think is the biggest problem. I think they need to look at that again. And I think they need to think about that, bringing in better sparring partners and, in, and intensifying their sparring sessions because clearly... That is a problem, and I don't see anyone, any boxer of any sort of top world class. You know, we, we spoke about Pacquiao recently. You know, I'm sure he's had some grueling, grueling sparring sessions, and and that's only going to get you prepared for the major nights. You know, you want to be in a position where you push yourself to the limit, and then when fight week comes, you're well above that, and you're ready for anything that anyone's going to throw at you. And and I think that was that was the undoing of Yard on Saturday night for me. Yeah, and I'm not going to disagree with that at all. I think I do echo what a lot of professionals and trainers have said about this, about the fact that the lack of sparring was a big factor on the night. And, you know, they do spar. It's limited sparring. But limited sparring isn't enough when you come into a fight of this magnitude. Okay, maybe I could accept that if they were fighting journeymen all the time, which is what they've done for most of his career. But... When you're going into the lead-up to the biggest fight of your career against a guy who's been a clinical lighter heavyweight for years, surely you will have had some world-class level of sparring against guys that were just as big, same style, same European style, and he didn't do any of that. And that is where, obviously, the System 9 plan that Sunday Ajayi had failed him. You know, it failed Yard mm. on this night. It was all good in theory and people buy can buy into that theory but it's got to be proven this was the night to prove it and it failed so now they need to go back to the drawing board and they now need to think about what they did wrong in that fight what they did right in the fight and how they can improve on that going forward and my you know if i was giving advice to them even though they'd never listen to me if i was giving advice to them i'd be saying to them right you need to step back down a level now you need to go and fight some world level gatekeepers get some experience behind you get some tough grueling fights with these world level gatekeepers and then step back up and fight because this was the biggest issue we both had with Yard was that he'd not fought anybody of note at world level. He'd not fought your Chalembers. He'd not fought any guys like that before. These are the types of fights he needed. Anybody that has ever moved up in these divisions, light heavyweight, cruiserweight, etc., have always had that world level gatekeeper challenge. Tony Bellew, for example, when he moved up to cruiserweight, and I know this is a weight above, and I know there's a big difference in weights, but I'm giving you an example on the basis of Tony Bellew fought guys like Chalemba twice, he fought Masternak. These were the guys he needed to be in there 
there's tough opponents to be able to then step up to that level to help him win that world title and then defend his world title and then go in for that final fight with Usyk before retiring. He needed these world level fights, he needed that. But even way before that, he'd had opposition, he'd had domestic opposition previously, you know, fantastic fights with Oval McKenzie in the past. I mean, this is something Yard hasn't had and something we both stressed on our preview for this particular fight. And it only really speaks volumes now, given the result. It could have been a lot worse. Yard could have been completely blown away. I've got to give him 110% credit for the effort he put in and the heart and the desire and the bollocks he's shown on there on the night. However, this is the time to reflect and this is the time where they know what they need to do now is to go away, come back and come back 10 times stronger because i seen BT Sport on social media putting infographics out on social media about how... Yard is the he's landed the most punches on Kovalev ever in in his career out of you know the Andre Wards and Chalembers and all the guys that Kovalev's faced. Yard's actually landed the most punches. Yeah, that's because he's thirty six years of age now. There's a bit of a difference now. He's gonna land more punches on him. He's he's you know he's a an older guy for Kovalev, which we'll talk about in a minute. He's coming to the end of his career, so you know the younger, fresher man is gonna land something on him. Of course he is. Of course he is. But that's not really a reflection of how that fight went down for me. The reflection is of this fight, he was soundly outboxed for at least seven rounds of the fight before he started to come into it in round seven. Round eight was his best round and the only real round you could give him. And then after that, he blew, he's blew his gas tank and he, he's, he's losing. Then he's, The jabs are going through more, the punches are landing more, the combinations are getting through, and that's where he's starting to gas a little bit more and eventually exhaustion takes hold and he loses the fight by getting stopped. So it's just about going away and reflecting for me. I think Anthony has got a brilliant, great future ahead of him. I just wish they wouldn't have took this step up now. I wish, in some respects, they should have just took that step aside money. They should have stuck it and then had the domestic fights. But then you can't win either way because if they would have took that step aside money, then people would have still been calling him because, oh, you've, you've turned down the opportunity to fight for a world title. And that's probably part of why they've done it. They've felt like they've got this opportunity to maybe take a guy who's at the end of his career. They've took a risk. It's not paid off. So go back to the drawing board and come back 10 times stronger. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, I think the problem is as well, is you're talking about that step aside money. I mean, if people are going to sort of say that you're avoiding him because you haven't taken a step aside money, the, the easy response is I'm not ready. I mean, he did say that a year ago. What changed compared to last year when they were saying he's not ready to this year when he is? They just seized it as an opportunity, an actual fact that, you know, maybe Cobbler is here for the taking. And unfortunately, you know, it was a risk. Was it worth taking? Maybe so. Now, the trouble is, is now he's fought Kovlev. Where does he go from here? Does he go back to the domestic route? So, who are we talking about? Is he really going to want to step in the ring with Joshua Barazzi? Although, I'm sure every boxing fan would love to see that fight. I know I would. I'm sure you would, Sean. I'm sure the listeners would. They would love to see that fight. Who wouldn't? But, is that a step down for Yard now to step into the ring with Barazzi and the potential of actually losing? On the other side, the spin of things, he's learned a lot from this fight, so he could actually be going into a fight against someone like a Barazzi, who's not as experienced now as Yard is, because he's just shown that he's got a lot to learn, and he, he should, if as long as he learns from their mistakes, it's going to be a better and a harder fight to fight. But then who does he fight beyond that? You've got, what, Callum Johnson? Possibly that could be a good fight for him, because Callum Johnson is he's all go, isn't he, for the first sort of three or four rounds. You know, he wants to throw big shots, and when 
the yard could get through the early exchanges, he would actually have the advantage going into the later sides of a fight. But Callum Johnson would be a good fight. Other than that, you're looking at what Craig Spider Richards, is he going to go there? I can't see that happening. So the, the next best thing is either to drop down a few, which is what I expect him to do. So, you know, we've had Marcus Brown, who's just, not, just lost to Pascal. That could be a good fight for him. You know, you've got um, Smith Jr., Joe Smith Jr. is another good one, Sullivan Barrera. These sort of guys are the fellas that are going to give him those 12 rounds and he could probably box his way to victory and learn a hell of a lot in those fights. Other things that he hasn't learned in the Kovalev fight as well. So I would say that's probably where he should be looking at. That would sort of, they're the sort of fights he should be looking at. Domestically, I think now it's probably not going to happen until somebody picks up a world title. So where we all want the Boatsy fight, I just can't see that happening because I think Boatsy probably was obviously behind Yard, although Boatsy would take it. I still think it's too early doors for him and I think they're going to be a little bit smarter with Boatsy than they were with Yard because I know Frank Warren was out saying how close it was. It was a great fight. He almost produced the biggest boxing upset and, uh, you know, I can't agree with that. Obviously, he's back in his man, but for me, as you say, he got outboxed by an older, slower Kovlev. Kovlev, if he steps in the ring against someone like a, a Bivol, I always sits in the ring against any of the top, top guys, uh, Better Beef or I always try to escape. The, 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 the uh, Ukrainian fan, I'm not even going to say his name, WBC champion. I think he gets blasted away by any of them four. Um, that's just my honest opinion. But yeah, I, it's, it's an interesting one now. What happens with Kovalev? I mean, you talk about Canelo and then what happens with Yard? I, I really don't know what route he's going to take. I can't see it being domestic, though. No. Let's talk about Kovalev then, and let's give Kovalev credit as well, because I think he deserves it. I think the fact that he showed heart, determination and conditioning to get his way through that fight and overcome the eighth round of Anthony Yard's onslaught and be able to come back and beat Anthony Yard, the younger, fresher guy, essentially. And the way he did it was, for me, emphatic, and he just shown that he has got something left in the tank. As we said when we beat Alvarez, will he have something left or was this the right time for Yard to take it? They obviously felt it was the right time to take it. And that eighth round, people started to think that was the case. However, the conditioning of Sergei Kovalev was 110% spot on. Because if it wasn't, that would have been finished. That fight would have been over and it wasn't. And Kovalev came back got back to his boxing, his lateral movement in the ninth round seemed even better than it was in the whole fight, and the way he was slipping off the combinations and getting out of range pretty quick, I was like what's happened here, you know, he's just been absolutely pounded for the last minute of the eighth round, and then all of a sudden he's come out refreshed, like you say Buddy McGirt did say to him, he weren't going to let him take any more of them shots, otherwise he'd pull the fight so that was the rocket up the arse he needed to get out there and dispatch of yard, and he did it, and now we're all talking about what's going to be next for Sergei Kovalev and the logical step is is this big super mega fight with Canelo Alvarez the one that's been talked about the one that social media is saying this should be the final fight of Sergei Kovalev's career Canelo versus Kovalev Canelo moving up to, to light heavyweight which I can see him doing and I can see him potentially beating Sergei Kovalev because I don't think Canelo would stand in front of Kovalev the way Anthony Yar did and Canelo's body work, ripping the body shots in, is is so good. No matter how much of a dick I think he is for the whole drugs cheat scandal, as a boxer, as a fighter, he's, he's, he's one of the best out there. He's absolutely fantastic to watch when he does go to work on a fighter and I think he could beat Kovalev and I think that would be an amazing feat for him to move up to the light heavyweight division and win a world title there as well. That's a fight I'd, I would like to see for Kovalev. I, I mean, I don't know what else he's got left to prove. I mean, people can say he could fight guys like Bivol and the winner of Baturbiev and Gerdvik. That could be his potential final, final fight if he want to try, wants to try and clean up the light heavyweight division again and go out on top. It's a good way of doing it. But in this game, money talks. 
and that is a mega money fight, and that's the fight logically that I can see happening next before Canelo probably drops back down and potentially goes in for a third rubber match with Golovkin in the future. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I agree. I think I think that's probably going to be the fight for Kovalev. I think that'll be the last one. And you're right. I think I think Canelo with that body work, I think he would be picking Kovalev. He'd be picking him up at the right time because I think that's one thing that Yard was unable to do was work that body that I think most of us really thought he could have done and that would have, from round one he probably should have gone for the body but clearly getting hit with them jabs I think was the first time he got hit with a jab like that and I thought Yard thought you know what I think he was a bit worried about that around right so he, he sort of neglected to use the body as early as he did whereas I think that would have helped him it would have helped him because I think maybe in that eighth round he could have got rid of him if he had worked the body more but you know that's, a, that's just that's not gone obviously maybe that's something they need to look at in the future but you know for, for Kovalev I, I think Canelo I'm with you. I, I can't see Kovalev winning that fight. I mean, who knows? I mean, it, it, again, it, it looked great for Canelo, but again, it's, it's a, it, he, I'm not, I'm not disrespecting what, what Yard, you know, Yard put in a good, strong performance. But for me, I still think Kovalev. You can see he's on the dance line. I think he just, he was beating quite often when he, when Yard did step it up. Um, and I, I, did, I did think he looked quite slow. I still think, especially when we moved into eighth round, I thought he was going to get rid of him because Kovalev didn't look great. But um, he still, you know, he, he put on a good enough display to win the fight. He'd done enough. But um, yeah, I think I think Canelo's probably going to be the last fight for Kovalev and whether he can pull it out of the bag. If he does, you know, I'm sort of with, with, with Canelo. I'm, I'm sort of lost with him a little bit. I, I do, you know, when it comes to, when, when you talk about a fighter in the ring, yeah, great. He deserves a lot of credit, but you know, he's, he's, he's overshadowed with, with all the drug scandal for me. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. And that's in a whole other ball game. But um, yeah, back to Kovalev. I think um, I think that will be his fight. I think that should be the last one. It'd be a nice big payday for him. Um, I suppose going back as well, what you meant, what we mentioned with Buddy McGirt, that made a, a big impact in that fight. Like you say, he come back in that non-rejuvenated, which was un- unreal considering how, how much of a state he was in the eighth. But that's the difference between a Buddy McGirt and someone like Atunde, who who people are now knocking because he didn't pull out yard as quick as if they felt that he needed to be pulled out quicker. So again, not only was the fight itself, you could see there was a, it was problems for yard, but also in his corner. I think I'm not saying he should get rid of Atunde, but they need to regroup and they need to rethink about how they go about their business because he's not no genius. Put it that way. Yeah, he has been getting a bit of a shit for it, and I understand why he's getting shit for it. He's not he's not proven at the professional level, is he? He's not proven at the highest level of the professional game, and that's been the big difference in this whole saga with the confidence. I like the confidence. Some might see it as arrogant. I do like the confidence. It's good to see it, uh, you know a, a coach having such confidence in their own man and the fighter having such confidence in themselves because at the end of the day, you've got to have confidence in yourself when you're stepping into that ring because you're putting your life on the line as we all know so for them both to have the confidence yeah it's great some people found it cringy the whole lines in the camp thing for some people found the whole system nine training schedule pad work thing a bit over the top but that's that's each to their own that's their own way of doing it that was their own unique style of doing things it hasn't worked as i said earlier so move on in terms of people saying he should be he should be sacked from anthony yard's corner should that happen i i don't know I don't really know because this is his first big fight at world level and maybe he needed this humbling as well. Maybe he needed to take some learning away as a coach of when to make the right decisions and say the right things at the right times. And this is probably going to be good learning for him as a coach and I could see that being a positive thing 
you know, from his mindset, is that he's going to take it away and go, right, I made a mistake, this is what I'm going to do to rectify it. I don't think it's the right thing just to ditch him straight away after after one, in, you know, one instance of where he's, he stepped up to the highest level without the experience, with quite a few cards stacked against him, and he's lost. There's no shame in that. So... I don't think it's the right decision to get rid of him at this stage, personally. I think it's uh, a bit of a harsh, harsh backlash from the fans, really, more than anything. Is you know they 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 wanted some people wanted to see them both fail, and I think that was them people that were the ones that were saying he needs to go out of his corner. And obviously, they were fellow professionals giving a bit of shit out as well. Uh, a few of them in particular that I won't name on the podcast that you can go on Twitter and have a look for yourself for. But there was a few of them out there that were slating him for, for sort of his methods and, you know, the tactics and everything else. But at the end of the day, you're always going to be critiqued by your fellow professionals in the sport. So you've got to put yourself up there on a pedestal. You've got to expect to be critiqued by different people at all levels. So maybe they'll go away. Maybe they'll come back stronger. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But overall, in terms of how it all went down, I think I got a little bit more excitement out of it than what I expected. I expected more of a potential complete destruction of Anthony Yard, even though I did say I could see him winning within rounds 9 to 12, and, you know, I was going absolutely mental at the 8th round when I thought this could actually happen. You know, I wasn't really... I was very grounded in the fact that I knew deep down that Anthony Yard's got a monumentous task ahead of him, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him lose in this fight because he's going in with a guy who, as we just rightly described as, you know, he's a bit of a light heavyweight hero, isn't he? You know, in the sense that he'll probably go down as one of the yeah. best light heavyweights that have been in history. If he continues, uh, maybe has one or two more fights in there, he'll cement his legacy in the light heavyweight division, of course. So, yeah, I, I think it was overall, it was what a lot of people expected and fair play for them to stepping up and doing it, but I think they need to move back down, they need to regroup and then come back stronger maybe in another 12 months' time once they've had that experience behind them. Yeah, I, I, don't, I think it'd be a bit hasty to get rid of the Sunday, but I do think they need to think about alternatives. I don't think this strategy that he comes up with is is as uh, as as he likes to portray it as, and I think he was, as you say, put himself in the limelight, he spoke highly of himself and his, his system and his routine, he was there to be shut down, unfortunately. If, if he had been a little bit more quieter with it um, and maybe said, this is that I'm trying and try to sort of, I don't know, not, not be so arrogant with it, then people may not be so quick to shoot him down. You know, you open yourself up to criticism when you act the way you do. So, you know, he's got to take that on the chin, unfortunately. You know, hopefully he does and hopefully that he needs to assess any system that he's put together and maybe look at bringing in some sparring partners, doing a little bit more in, in, in the ring in terms of sparring, bringing in sparring partners and, and just not be so intense on the pads because uh, I don't think that system works. Maybe it could work future, you know, down the line in the future, but I don't think it's quite ready. You know, I mean, unless, uh, I mean, you, you highlighted the fact that if we could have had, you know, harder fights, like the man you mentioned, Bellew, Bellew and Cleverly, they had that, that tear up a lot every way. I mean, that's the sort of thing that he needed. You know, whether it could have been against someone like a Callum Johnson before he fought, Kovalev, I think that would have helped him. But now, I think it, by by going straight into the Kovalev fight, I think it's sort of any domestic fight sort of sort of been shut down now. I can't see him going that. Route. I can just see him fighting some of the. Uh, you know, I can see him coming back with quite an easy fight, but maybe a year down the line, maybe in sort of nine months, maybe he could, as I say, get in with someone like a Smith Junior Barrera or a Marcus Brown, or even like I think Babu Jack's still knocking about. Maybe Babu Jack would be a good fight for him. Um, Jim Pascal as well, you know. These are the sort of guys that, that he needs to be looking at to get himself 12 rounds. He needs, he needs 12 rounds of boxing. 
He needs a good hard 12 rounds where someone's going to come back to, come back at him. A few of those rounds where he probably could win the fight. And I think he's, he's shown he's got enough heart and enough ability. I just think that he's, you know, whether, whether he does need to change, change the train. I think if he doesn't adjust his system at Tindai, then I think maybe he needs to look at maybe going with somebody else because I think that'll only help Yard in the future. You know, he's 28. He's not like spring chicken. You know, he's 28 years old. He's in by the time what we're talking next next year, 29, knocking on 30, all of a sudden that's his next title shot. So he needs to to really assess it, look at this fight, go look at where he went wrong, and then and then put those wrong fight, and then hopefully the next he gets, he can get he can pick up a world title for us. And you know, I hope he does because I do. I think I think Yard is a nice guy. I do like him. I'm not too keen on his trainer, but I don't believe that he should just get rid of your trainer after one defeat. So you know, we'll, we'll see what happens for Yard. But good a good display for him. A, a true showed a lot of heart and. Um, just, just weren't good enough for the night. So let's move on then and let's briefly touch on a card we completely missed over the weekend. Much to our dismay, not even realising that there was a small little card <laughs> on in Mexico uh, from Matchroom and also promoted by Sauerland as well. Um, we had the likes of Liam Smith, Philippe Hergovic, John O'Carroll and Juan Francisco Estrada all picking up victories on that particular card and I'd completely neglected this it was so low-key it was so under-promoted I think that I don't even remember seeing anybody speak about this on social media it was all about Anthony Yard and Sergey Kovalev so this was uh, well past my radar and so much so that I've not even had the opportunity to even catch up on the actual fights themselves I've just checked the results and I know these guys got victories over the weekend so I'm not going to sit and assess this too much because that would be very wrong of me to try and talk about fights I've not even watched but it was good to know that Liam Smith was back out it was good to know that Philippe Hergovic was back out with John O'Carroll Estrada I'm going to have to go back and watch these fights and see if there was anything significant that I need to, to touch on with yourself Johnston in an episode in the future but yeah low key yeah. card that both of us completely missed over the weekend but hey ho it's it's the life of boxing there's been so little on over the past couple of weeks that we decided not to do any recap episodes or big news and gossip episodes and we decided to save it all up for a couple of weeks to kind of hash it out in a particular episode in the new season and I think this is probably the right time to sort of touch on a couple of points that people have been making and obviously guys have been talking about on social media and I think the biggest one that we've not had the opportunity to discuss was obviously the whole AJ Ruiz 2 saga. Now I think we briefly mentioned the fact that it was potentially going to be in Saudi Arabia before it was announced and it is now been announced but yet there's still been so many different intricate details coming out about how Andy Ruiz never signed a contract, how he wanted more money, he said he weren't going to fight in Saudi and now he is going to fight in Saudi he already had a contract which was signed from the first fight which is what we did discuss in the episode when we were talking about it and yeah this is apparently happening as well now and I think you was the one that said it to me off air that you're not going to believe this fight is going to go down until both of them step foot in the ring on the night in Saudi yeah I feel that way I, I, to be honest I think I think the fight will happen now I'm, I'm sort of I weren't too sure because I, I still felt that I think that Ruiz Jr is uh He's holding. He's got Al Heyman in his ear, and I, I do believe that Al Heyman wouldn't be too peed off if he decided that. Do you know what? Um, I don't want to take the AJ fight and go a different route. Now I'm also hearing rumours that apparently in this contract that if Ruiz doesn't take a rematch, that a part of the contract was that he'd have to go into retirement. Now I don't know how true this is. This is an absolute rumour that I've touched in the last few days, so I don't know if there is any absolute truth in it. But you know, if it is, then again, I mean. I, 
he's got to take the fight. It's just a matter of where the venue is. So for me, I think that fight will happen. I don't think Ruiz, if that is in the contract, I think Ruiz is going to think about retiring. Uh, I think that he will want to prove himself again. Um, now, I'm not too sure it's in Saudi Arabia. I still don't believe it. I know that it, it's been promoted as it's going to be in Saudi. Um, I just, I'm not sure of it. I think there's been a lot of publicity about it in terms of Saudi Arabia itself and in terms of, you know, all, all the trouble that, you know, that happens out there. Um, I'm not going to speak like I know exactly what happens, but, you know, you hear things on the news and we know that Saudi Arabia, in terms of eleven key, in terms of for, for, for uh, sexes, in terms of women sitting on one side, men sitting the other and not being able to mingle and real women to go out there and you know, they are very much way, way back in terms of the way we are, as you know, the stuff that they have problems with in Saudi Arabia. We would be like in shock about what we have in our society because you know we're we're a lot further ahead in terms of how we think. So it's a lot of flack in terms of a heavyweight, a big, massive heavyweight this magnitude taking part in Saudi Arabia. They've got all these problems. Is is is, is sort of what people know that joint, and I can understand that. But the thing is, is on the other side, no, you know, this has been happening for years. I mean, I. I so Bonson Castello have had, have spoke about it recently in terms of in Manila and and what happened with, with the in the jungle and you know there was there was all sorts that happened after the event in terms of the country itself. So you know it, it's, it's a thing that happens. I, I, I don't, it, you can't get political with it. We're boxing fans at the end of the day. Although I don't believe it should take in Saudi take place in Saudi Arabia. I still don't believe that. I think it should happen in, in America. There's a problem. He can fight in America. I don't quite understand why Ray J wouldn't want to fight in, a, in America. After they thought they were lost, they wanted to promote themselves in America. And now all of a sudden, what, they want to go and fight in Saudi Arabia? It doesn't make sense to me. I think, why not fight in America again and put that wrong right? Sam, why they just don't do that? But, you know, at the end of the day, money talks. So, Ruiz, if it's going to happen in Saudi, and he's sort of dragging his feet with it, and he wants to hold that, I think if he's holding that for anything, it's going to be for money. And I think all any stupid is they going hundreds of millions of pounds, so you know it, I don't think it's going to matter too much where it happens. Ray J is going to be, he's going to earn the bigger crust from it all. Um, but you know, I, if it happens, as I say, I will not believe it until they both step in the ring. Um, I, I just think the fight will happen. I just don't know. I, I'm not convinced it's going to happen. Anyway, yeah. We'll see, won't we? I mean, it's hard to make an assumption of of what's going to really go down, but the fact that you know they're committing to it and. Eddie Hearn and the the fellow who does the promoting for events over in Saudi Arabia sat there in a hotel and, and had a conference about it with people asking questions and then were happy to do interviews with media afterwards to promote the whole thing and they were alluding to the fact that quite a few events over the past 18 months have took place in Saudi Arabia the WWE has had a couple of events over there Formula 1, the David Guetta concert over there so they're trying to sort of say times are changing in terms of the way things are in the laws over there and they're relaxed a little bit more and that's sort of what the impression was that I got but that then doesn't really take away from any of the political stuff that goes on and any of the stuff that's wrong that people believe in and what was quite interesting was you alluded to the uh, Bunton Constello podcast obviously we we listened to that ourselves uh, as boxing fans and it was interesting that when Mike Costello was asking this fella from Saudi Arabia the questions about some of the political side of things some of the more notoriety incidents he refused to talk about it he refused to answer anything to do with it and for me it was like just complete deflection away from what Costello was trying to ask him and obviously as a journalist Costello's been doing this for a very long time and he's very good at what he does and he wanted to get an answer to a question that a lot of people have and fair enough for him for having a crack at it 
but then obviously in the in, in the other sense of the word people are also then slating guys like that in the industry because they're seemingly supposed to be supporting this event at the end of the day if this event takes place in Saudi Arabia obviously people are going to want to be there journalists are going to want to be there to witness what's going to happen in this second fight because the first fight you know, it's going to go down in history as a big upset. Of course it is. And now we all want to see what happens in the second fight. Should it take place on that night in December in Saudi Arabia? You're going to want to be there. It's as simple as that. Now, fans are the ones that really lose out. They've talked about giving fans a 30-day visa upon purchasing of a ticket. They've talked about relaxation of laws. Women can come there and blah, blah, blah. But... Again, you don't really want to make assumptions based on what somebody's saying. It's only really going to play a factor when you get there. As a, as a fan, if you're going there, you're only really going to know if any of this is true or any of it is bullshit when you actually step foot into the country. You're not going to really know that until then. Anybody can sell it to you. Anybody can sell this type of stuff to you and give you you know, all these promises of dreams and, and realities are sometimes can be a lot different. So I, I'm I'm sceptical about it. I think the boxing fans do lose. I think Eddie Hearn in the past has spoke about AJ being at home and fighting at home more, and yet we get this particular fight happening in Saudi Arabia, and now he's changed his opinion of how he feels this will help boxing, whereas the majority of boxing fans out there believe this should be taking place either in the UK or in America, but in Eddie Hearn interviews, you've heard him talk about, well, you know, UK and America aren't the only of the big places in the world that should be hosting fights. He's looking at it from a mentality of money. And that is exactly what it is. And I'm sorry to say it, but it's money. It's 100% nothing more than money. The Saudi Arabians have come in at the last minute and said, we'll offer you X amount of millions of pounds of dollars, or millions of pounds of dollars, millions of dollars <laughs> to, 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 to come and stage this fight over here. <laughs> And of course, I'm not being funny, if they've turned around and offer him a stupid amount of money to come and do it, they're going to do it because they're going to want to get the most money for the promotion, they're going to get the, the most money for the fighters out of it, and at the end of the day, it's the little people that pay the box office fees, the little people who, who spend money coming over to places like that to watch these fights, that lose out really. That's who loses out in this one, the fans. The fans lose out big time in this. No matter how much they try to sell it to you, in any which way they sell it to you, us as fans are going to lose out. So it's going to end up being a lot of people are probably not going to travel unless they're really, really hardcore anti Joshua fans. They're probably going to sit at home, watch it on box office, and it's probably going to be a really, really dull crowd over in Saudi Arabia because any events that have happened there that I've seen have been very dull. The Amir Khan one was absolutely shockingly shite. And then we had the World Boxing Super Series final. Again, the atmosphere was really dull there. So I can't see it being a great atmosphere for a fight which is the biggest on the planet of this year and could be of many years to come and yet this is what happens when it comes to it and I think it's just again it's just bullshit and none of us like it but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to stomach it unfortunately yeah uh, and that's why you should not believe what any promoter ever tells you and if you're a boxing fan please do take it with a pinch of salt and don't believe people like Eddie and Frank Warren Bob Arum all of them guys Al Heyman obviously he doesn't talk at all, um, so we don't we only ever hear through the grapevine. We never actually hear him actually say anything, do we? we hear him sort of through a third person. But at the end of the day, these guys are involved in it because they want to earn money. So if you get told one thing, and then something changes, in the, and they decided to talk about something else, of course, jump on the bandwagon and start actually saying, actually, you know, this is what you said last month, and now you're saying it 
this is promoting. This is what these guys do. You know, the one thing about Eddie Earn is he is he will he will literally be talking to you, and then he you you will hear a conversation not to us but to the viewer if you're listening to whatever you're listening to. Will be on Sky and he will sell it, and then he will change his mind even later on in the conversation, and that's what he does, and and you, that happens regularly. So you got to remember that these guys are in it for the money. They have uh, they have a network of fighters. You know there are some fighters that are bigger than the others. So AJ obviously he's an Anthony Joshua a shitload of money. Now to Anthony Joshua looks at it and says, well look, you know Eddie Hearn's uh, uh, so much money. Eddie Hearn does not give a shit in terms of if he, he, he might tell you is he, he cares if Anthony Joshua loses yeah of course he loses that big massive amount of money but let's face it he's earned millions already all you need to do is go and find another fighter it's as simple as that you know he can he can he can bang on about how much he loves Anthony Joshua he's got this great relationship blah 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 at the end of the day if Anthony Joshua goes and loses this fight again you know are we talking about him and Eddie Hearn could they could they split could he end up with Al Heyman after this could he end up with Bob Aaron could he end up back with or I say back to the end up with Frank uh, Warren. It's, it's possible. These are promoters. At the end of the day, they're into sell fights. Don't give a shit what they tell you. So don't even think, for any listeners that actually, actually think that these these guys could care about their fighters, I don't believe they do. And that is just my opinion. This is just me saying this. And looking at boxing throughout the years, this is just my honest assumption of it. And, and as you say, when it comes to Saudi Arabia, it's the most amount of money they've, they've offered him and he's accepted. And he even turned around and said he had other offers from other countries. It's, it's bollocks. Let's, let's be honest, if he wanted Anthony Joshua to fight in America and be this big household name in America, he'd have the rematch in America. Why would you go and fight in Saudi Arabia when the fight's on in the island in America? You think, how many Americans are going to watch these fights if it happens in Saudi Arabia? And it's because the amount of money. That's why he's doing this fight. And that's where uh, you know, I've got sold by it and I honestly believe that Eddie is this Antwerp guy and he's actually looking out for his fight he's bollocks absolute bollocks and they're all the same and, and that's just my assumption in this situation for me I'm a fan I like I, I, you know, I like AJ as a fighter I also like Dillian Fury as well but again Fury is a, he's a bit more smart a bit more savvier Fury that's why people have jumped from the Fury bandwagon because actually Fury knows what he's doing he'll fight lower key fights he's fighting Otto Wallen who's not a big name, but yet he knows that and he will sell the fight and he will earn a few million from it and then potentially go on a fight while in February and probably beat him. And I do believe he will beat him. And, and it, this, is, this is how it is. And you're just a fighter. You don't, and you, you know, when it comes to the camps, you know, people always talk about Robert Kraken and I'm glad Anthony Joshua has finally come out and said, and, and said nice things about Rob and he's sticking with Rob because that would have been a bad move if he decided to leave Rob after that defeat. Looking in good shape in a minute and I believe with the way things are going in the news, which you mentioned, I'm sure you talk about it too, Junior. I, I think I think AJ could be on for a quick win wherever they do fight in the end. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree with you on what you're saying. And I think one thing that I think we'll need to uh, sort of say to the listeners is, you know, we, we do believe this about the big-time promoters. We do genuinely believe it. When it comes to small-time promoters, as you've said previously, Johnston, the smaller-time promoters yeah. have got more... They've got more loyalty with their fighters they genuinely want to look after their fighters a lot more than the big guys do and that's because these guys come and go I'm not being funny the the fighters have a a short lifespan in terms of boxing career so they could come in at the highest level for three four maybe five years before they get moved on and somebody else comes along and replaces them as the cash cow not being funny but frank warren in particular has been doing it for a very very long time with fighters you know the nazim hamads the nigel benz you know these are the types of guys he had in the 90s then he had calzaghi then he had hatton and then he had the new breed of generation and then we've seen the fury now and obviously used to have billy joe saunders so 
the promoters know what they're doing. They've been doing it for a very, very long time. Money talks and bullshit walks, and that is exactly how the big time promoters are. <laughs> and for me, the smaller time promoters are the ones doing all the donkey work. The smaller time promoters are the ones that are putting shows on, and some and most of the time they probably lose money on the shows. They probably don't even make that much money on the shows. And any small hall promoter will tell you that is always the case because they're putting these opportunities out there for these guys, and they're doing it because they love the sport they love the sport i've spoke to a few promoters doing this podcast and every single one of them have always said the same thing when i've asked them that question do you make any money out of it no nine times out of ten they don't make any money out of it a lot of the time they break even a lot of the time you know they could have some really good shows where they do make some money off it and you think to yourself well how did they actually manage to get by well they do they manage to find ways by doing it they have sponsorships big time companies sponsoring the promotion themselves or they have contacts or they have businesses that back them so for example steve wood here in northwest he's been a promoter for what 20 odd years and he has got his own company vip boxing promotions but he's also got his vip company as well which is what funds a lot of the boxing stuff that he does and the promotion that he does because he has his own uh, company in the back in the backstage there that actually does all this work so he, he actually got into promoting off the back of owning a company so it just goes to show you that the smaller time promoters just want to do the right things for the up and coming stars and a lot of the up and coming stars will generally try to stay with them promoters there's not many of them these days but there is quite a few in particular that will stay with the smaller time promoters or, or at least keep them as part of their team in some capacity whether say josh warrington is a good example obviously he went to frank warren He's still got Steve Wood managing him, even though Steve Wood was the first promoter for Josh Warrington. So he goes to show you that you know there's loyalty there when it comes to small time promoting, and I think a lot of people don't really appreciate that fact. And all we hear about is obviously people like the Eddie Hearns and the Frank Warrens, and obviously all the other big time promoters out there that just get the fighters, get what they want out of them push them along, get them out of the game, and then they get the next one on the conveyor belt. And it is just like the generation game. They just get the next fighter that comes off the conveyor belt, makes them into something, makes them this big superstar, gets as much money of them, and then fucks them off. And then they go off and do their own thing in whatever they're doing, and, you know, Mr. Eddie Hearn or Mr. Frank Warren, they get the next superstar coming off the conveyor belt, and then they promote the shit out of them. And that is how the business works, essentially. And although people won't sit there and admit that, and people are sold into some of the false promises and dreams, it is the reality of the situation. Boxing is a business more than it is an actual sport. And, yeah, it feels like I'm having a little bit of a rant about it. I am. I'm sorry, guys. I really am ranting about it. It's just one of them things. You started it, Johnston, and I decided to finish it. So, yeah, promoters, uh, promoters, (laughs) money talks, bullshit walks. (laughs) <laughs> it's a great line uh, the fluff about the stuff is another one isn't it? literally as you say rightly so I should mention you know like the Goodwin shows for instance you know these like Dan here, they, they, these fellas are doing it for the love of the sport yeah small time promoters they have been doing it for several years on small money you know they haven't been getting that money back and, and they do it for the love of the sport and you'll always find that somewhere along the line there'll be a family it'll be a family business or you'll have uh, another guy who's coming in who's, who's a trainer of the guys or a training will, will run his own little promotion you know, they're sort of fellas that are doing it for the love of the sport and they're promoting it because they, they are committed to a fighter and they and they, they back their 
their fighter and they follow them thick and thin through thick and they want to improve them and, and their hope is that they could become a world champion these are the sort of guys that when they talk they genuinely genuinely care about them I'm saying that you know I'm not saying these are evil guys I talk about Frank Warren and the end of course not they've done great things for British boxing absolutely and, and you know but real here they're always in it for the money and don't just get sort of blurry eyed with, with the bullshit they feed you and, and, and you know Eddie Earn you know he's even mentioned it himself that you know he's the Archbishop of Banterbury and that is exactly what he is he's full of shit and he's so is his dad let's be honest but they're actually quite comical to listen to but you know in the long in the long stretch of it as you say it's like a conveyor belt and the big ones will come and they will sign someone else and it'll be a big star but if they're going to throw him in for a big money fight and they lose so be it they can find somebody else a fighter on the other hand if he loses that fight, he's going to have to regroup, probably find himself another promoter and, and lick his wounds and, and try and come back. But, you know, I know we've gone off on a ramp with promoters here, so, but um, I think it's just, I think, you know, I think in terms of when it comes down to people like Eddie Earn, and, and this is why I'm not so optimistic that it's going to happen in Saudi Arabia. I do believe that potentially it could be moved further down the line. I might be wrong. As I say, I won't believe it until they step in the ring. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Ego looks in good shape, though. Yeah, it looks like he's lost a little bit of uh, muscle mass as well uh, from some of the pictures that are coming out as well, which is something that me and, and Jay Harris was talking about in the boxing and the fitness industry episode a couple of weeks ago. It's exactly what we was alluding to when it comes down to muscle mass slowing the fighter down and how much of an impact will he have on his stamina. And it already looks like AJ has lost a little bit of muscle mass in preparation for this second fight with Ruiz, which for my eyes is only a good thing. And I've always felt he's way too bulky for for a fighter of his magnitude I think he does need to be a little bit more leaner in his muscle mass and he needs to be yeah maybe he naturally grows that way as a fighter That's just, it is what it is you know uh, he mm. is the guy who's got that genetics in him to do that but it doesn't mean he can't trim his weight down and get himself into a leaner condition to be a little bit more f- faster on, on the pads or faster in the ring when he's getting his shots off or a little bit more leaner in the lateral movement side of things and it doesn't mean that it's going to affect him in, 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 in other ways in terms of his boxing ability it's going to affect him more you know, in the, in the issues that AJ seemingly has which is biggest one being as we've seen in a few fights is his stamina is his ability to, to gas out after a few rounds of, of constant pressure off another fighter so I think this is a big thing really and if this is how they go down and the rematch does actually happen and they get in the ring and he's a little bit faster than he was in the first Ruiz fight I think he might cause Ruiz a lot more problems than he did the first time round and he might even blow him out in a few rounds because he's a lot quicker he's off he's off the mark quicker he's getting on the inside quicker than he was he was a little bit slow he was a little bit more robotic in the first fight and I think this is what's going to play a big factor if the fight does end up taking place in Saudi Arabia or whether it ends up getting moved whatever I do believe the fight will take place at some point in December whether it be Saudi Arabia or whether it be in the UK or USA uh, it will take place and it will happen and we'll get to see uh, hopefully another historic event in boxing and just going back to what you were saying about Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren I know we named them, named them two in particular as, as guys that are obviously getting the big stars off the conveyor belt yes I know this is what they do do but we I do give them credit for what they have both done for British boxing in terms of transcending it in a different way the way they've presented shows to us they have delivered some fantastic shows for us and they have done, delivered some fantastic fights and I'm not denying anything 
like that. I just wanted to make it clear that our opinions on the situation is that they are promoters, they are there to sell fights, they are there to build a brand and build a business, and that is exactly what they are there to do, and they do it better than anyone else in the country, and some in the world. So we've got to, we've got to understand that this move to go to Saudi Arabia was money motivated and nothing else and no matter what they tell you it's nothing else other than money motivated i'm telling you now i I, I, i'm just i'm sat here waving my arms around while i'm recording it getting a bit sort of gyrated about it because i'm thinking you know this is it's all money orientated it's simple as that and anyone that tells me something different then uh, feel free to come at me on social media because you know a few people seem to be coming at me recently on social media so i'm more than happy to take any of that on board but if anyone says it's not money orientated then i think their their, their sort of ideas of, of boxing and the way boxing's promoted are a little bit different than a lot of people's so anyway i think we've we spent a bit too long talking about that for tonight and the only other thing i wanted to really touch on before we called it a close to this episode was obviously golovkin signing with eddie hearn another big star coming off the conveyor belt to go with eddie hearn and signing to fight for the vacant ibf middleweight title against sergey derevinchenko which i think is an absolutely cracking fight between them two uh, and a really good clash. Yeah, a great fight. Um, did I don't even know? Did I know that fight's come up? But I'm guessing. Did did um, is with the IBF title? Was that on the line there? Yeah, Canelo was stripped of the IBF title. He was um, stripped of it. Yes, he was stripped of the IBF title. Uh, I can't remember why off the top of my head. Uh, it was something to do with maybe a failure to defend it or fa- some some bullshit. Anyways, the IBF. We talked about this a few weeks ago about how quickly they they seem to sort of take belts away from fighters and this was a, a, a another example i can't again i can't remember off the top of my head exactly what it was why they stripped him of the title but they did they stripped him of it and now it's vacated essentially and derevinchenko and golovkin are going to fight for it which is what's leading to a lot of people talking about canelo and kovalev and then canelo dropping back down to fight golovkin should he be derevinchenko later on this year yeah. in the fight that's been proposed between them two as well so yeah I, I think in, in, from, from my perspective Johnson it's a great fight for boxing I'm really looking forward to seeing it and I'm, I'm happy to see yeah. Golovkin back and you know I hope it does lead to a third fight with Canelo yeah yeah I think I think that's what it, I think you're right with, with Davinchenko I think he was made to fight, I think Davinchenko was the man for the IBF to fight Canelo and then I think they were, they were agreeing personally but then I heard later on down the line that um an actual fact that they, although it was squashed, did they didn't come to an agreement. Therefore, it was going to get stripped, and in the end, it looked like it was going to something happened, and eventually it was back on again. And then all of a sudden, I heard the rumor that, that he's now fighting Golovkin. So I thought I weren't sure the RBF what was happening. So obviously, they're fighting Golovkin for the RBF top, which you know, as I, we obviously we spoke about it before. But um, you know, I still think Golovkin should be world champion. So for me, I think that's great that he gets a chance to get the RBF strap, and I think he probably will get the result. Albeit, you know, Damon Checo is, is a. I think uh, I think he could possibly give Golovkin trouble, but I, I don't think so. I think Golovkin should be winning that fight, and um, and it gives him a little. End of the day, what what I like about it is that if Golovkin does pick up the IBF title, wins that fight, it's a good fight to watch as well. I mean, you never know. This could produce an upset. I can't see it happening, but if he does, it gives him a little bit. You know, of uh, he can earn himself a little bit more money because he brings the RBF title to the table with the Kaleno fight. So, and I would like to see him have the third fight. Whether um, he's going to be on the downside, we don't know. I just I hope he is, and I hope we get a, a good Golovkin 
Lomachenko and hopefully we'll see what happens with new fights and then hopefully come through that and then they can have a third one because I really want Golovkin to get a fair share and actually just, you know, we spoke about judges, spoke about promoters, spoke about organisations so many times, but, you know, it's frustrating for me. I just want Golovkin to go in there, put in a fine performance and then just fucking beat Canelo because I just... For me, he's done enough to win at least one of them fights enough. I would love to see him get a win over him. Yeah, 100%. Looking forward to it. Let's see what happens over the next couple of weeks. And for me, Johnson, it wraps it up for this episode, reviewing the main fight over the weekend, Yard versus Kovalev, and obviously touching on some of the news over the past couple of weeks that a couple of people did want us to cover off in this particular episode. And before we wrap this episode up, of course, give a shout-out to the sponsors for the podcast. It's Bear Attack Boxing. You've heard me talk about it on every episode. They do cover... BTR Boxing Podcast and they help us out massively to keep this podcast up and running with all great different series that we have at the moment so if you've not already checked them out just go and find them on social media at BTR Boxing Pod uh, not BTR Boxing Pod at Bear Attack Boxing on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and you can go on to their website and any products that you buy you can get a 10% discount by going to the checkout and entering BTR10. 10%, not to be sniffed at, definitely go and check them out as well. But, Johnson, anything else you wanted to cover off today before we called it a wrap? No, no, not at all. Just, uh, you know, um, listen to as much as you, all the listeners, everything the legendary on it, the career profiles and also all the other stuff you're doing with, with the fighters uh, coming up, Sean, and um, like the ones to watch and... And, and the recent one you did with Harris in terms of video, yeah, I thought that was a really good episode. I think you know, if, if no one's heard that one, go and listen back on that one. And your feedbacks and um, pick yourself up, Sean, for all the hard work you're doing. And um, we'll continue to try and make this as, as much of a good show as we can. And keep listening. We'll, you know, please send us your advice if there's anything you want us to add or, or not. Whatever you can do to help this pod, podcast make it better, then that'd be great. We'd love to hear from you. But yeah. Keep up the good work, Sean, as well, because you, you do a lot of hard work, and I think you need to be praised for that, mate. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Honestly, it's really appreciated. And, and there's a lot of people out there that do, obviously, let us know that they appreciate that uh, work that we do put in and the hours that we spend editing. We don't have a studio. We don't have editors on hand to come in and edit all the little mistakes that are made in, in editing and little mistakes, all the little breaths that sometimes that, that you hear. We don't have uh, someone that does that. That's actually me. That's I am the post editor. So, you know, the Legendary Night Series career profiles, anything that is as in-depth as them they will get some great editing going on and I really enjoy doing them ones because I know a lot of you guys that listen to it really really enjoy the episodes as well so it does take a lot of time out to do it but I'm doing it because I know there's a lot of people out there that listen to us that really enjoy it that share the word spread it around let everybody know what we're doing and it really really helps us we truly appreciate it if you've not already rated us on Apple Podcast and if you're an Apple Podcast user please go on and do it because because it is so significant to where we get in the podcast rankings in terms of Apple. We get rated in certain charts and we get rated in charts across all the world with Apple. And if you go on and rate us, that one rating that you do can make us go up that chart significantly and as a result of that we get more mainstream publicity as a result and then more people start to listen to the work that we put in and it pays off so thank you all for always listening thank you all for downloading thank you for retweeting and sharing everything across social media it's really appreciated it i hope you've listened enjoyed listening to this episode of Yard versus Kovalev reaction and also listening to some of the news and gossip that's happened over the past couple of weeks let us know what you think as always thanks for listening and we'll see you next time the dream is made real Ricky Hatt rocks the world
Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.